that we have. Acts chapter number 11 is where we'll get started. Quickly look at verse number. Acts chapter 11 and verse number 19. Acts eleven nineteen. The Bible says, Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word of none but in the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake of the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. What a blessing that is. Then tidings of these things came into the ears of the churches in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas. That he should go as far as Antioch. Okay, so uh, people getting saved and the word spreading to the church in Jerusalem. That's really the headquarters of the New Testament church at this time. They're sending representative. Barnabas, a great man, goodly example. And so he is sent uh, to check out what's going on. And verse 23 says, When he came and had seen the grace of God and was glad and exhorted them all, that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. Much people was added unto the Lord. And then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. When he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. Came to pass a whole year. They assembled themselves at the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. This is somewhere around 10 years after Christ has risen from the dead. If the dates in the margin of my Bible are correct. The first group of people to be called Christians was Antioch. Antioch became the, the headquarters really of the New Testament church. They sent out the first missionaries in Acts chapter uh, 13. If you study Bible manuscript evidence, the manuscripts that underlie our King James Bible, they all trace through Antioch, important place in the Bible. One I want to notice this morning is when Barnabas was sent to Antioch, Barnabas exhorted the people there who had recently believed on the Lord, trusted in the Lord, received the grace of God. He exhorted them in verse 23 that with purpose of heart, they would cleave to the Lord. That with purpose of heart, they would cleave to the Lord. We have entered into a time of year when many people are purposing many things. Many people are making determinations and decisions of, of diet plans that they are going to cleave to, of budget plans that they are going to stick to, of exercise routines that they are going to adhere to, of study habits that they are going to adopt, of Goals in their life that they are going to commit themselves to, oh, for about a week, maybe two. Right? I'm making this decision. I'm making, I, I've got this area in my life that needs improvement. I'm going to shore it up. I've got these pounds I need to shed. I've got this weakness and deficiency in my character that I want to address. And so I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, and I'm going to make a plan, and I'm going to stick to it. That's what people do. They make New Year's resolutions. We'll talk about a little bit more about that uh, in, the, in the preaching service this morning. I'm not necessarily for or against that. I'm not saying it's a sinful thing to look at your life at the end of a year and say, okay, what do I need to change? What do I need to do differently? What do I need to, what do I need to improve on? I'd say it'd probably be a pretty good thing. You usually don't make improvements on accident. Usually they don't get better 
by default. Evolution is not true. If you're going to improve in your school, if you're going to bring up your grades, if you're going to build some character, that's going to take some purpose, some intentionality, right? Okay, so, uh, but, but what Barnabas is doing here in Acts chapter 11, really what leads into our message or our Sunday school lesson this morning is that he's purposing them with a purpose of heart. He's exhorting them with a purpose of heart. They would cleave unto the Lord. The problem with many New Year's resolutions is they are all temporal. I'm not against making decisions that I'm going to do some things differently. That I'm going to try to form some habits in my life to be productive and efficient. And all of those things are great. But if all of it has to do with what is only going to last as long as you're alive, well, then there's something out of balance in your life. If all of your New Year's resolutions or New Month's resolutions or New Week's resolutions or whenever you resolve anything, if all it has to do with is something that is carnal, something that is temporal, my grades, my weight, my appearance, my build... Right? Okay, if, if that's all it is, well, there's a problem because there, there's, there's a lot more in life that's far more important. How about deciding, I'm going to read my Bible this year, all the way from Genesis to Revelation. If you've never done that, you ought to do that. How about deciding, I'm going I'm to set aside some time each day and spend time in prayer to God. I'm going to set a goal that I'm going to pass out X number of tracks a week. I'm going to set a goal that I'm going to participate in this number of ministries every month. I'm going to try to witness to, let's say, at least one person every week. Those would be some good resolutions. Those would be some good purposes to make in your life. But recognize that in order to cleave to the Lord, you're going to have to do that on purpose. You're going to have to make a decision. Yes, this is what I am going to. To do now quickly this morning with just a little bit of time that we have let's let's look at four things that the Bible says we ought to purpose. Barnabas said you need to purpose in your heart to cleave to the Lord. Let me just say this real quick: the devil is going to try to get you off track in 2019, just like he tried to get you off track in 2018. He might have been successful at times, but know this. That in 2019, the devil's will for your life will be to make you a castaway. Will be to make you an example, but not the good kind of example, the bad kind of example. The, the devil's objective will get you out of your Bible, out of church, away from God's people. Just wasting your life like everybody else in the world. The devil's going to try to get you out. If you're going to stick with this, if you're going to cleave to the Lord, if you're going to keep going, if you're going to be faithful, if you're going to finish your course, you're going to have to purpose to do that. You're going to have to determine, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to get uh, knocked off track. And it, it, it might be sin knock you off track. It might not be sin. It might just be life that entangles you. You've got to learn to deal with that. Okay, so purpose in your heart. I'm going to cleave to the Lord. Come to Daniel chapter 1. This is a predictable place to go, but it's important. Daniel chapter 1. Remember the story of Daniel, he and his three friends taken from their homeland, from their families, from their God, from their temple, from everything that they'd ever known, taken to Babylon, a strange land with strange people, speaking a strange language, worshiping strange gods. 
They are offered wine to drink. They are offered meat to eat that's been sacrificed and dedicated to idols, false gods. And in Daniel chapter 1 and verse number 8, the Bible says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat nor the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. People make resolutions because they recognize need for improvement. They make resolutions. They recognize that that improvement does not happen automatically. Does that make sense? They make resolutions because when opportunities and situations and circumstances arise that pose a challenge to their goals, it's easier to make the right decision if you've made the right decision ahead of time. Okay? This is what happens to my wife. Every time she's, she decides, okay, this is what I'm going to eat. This is what I'm not going to eat. Then she'll go to the restaurant. She'll order broccoli and they'll bring her french fries. Okay? And you're tempted by the yummy fries, but if you've decided ahead of time, that's not on my list of approved foods for whatever reason. Then if you made the decision ahead of time, you've got a better chance of sticking with that decision when the temptation comes. Make sense? Okay, people make goals, they, 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 they make resolutions, they set up these things in their lives, they establish boundaries and priorities, and that's a good thing, but let's, let's, let's give it a spiritual application. Here's why you need to purpose in your heart not to defile yourself, because you will have opportunities to be defiled. You're walking through a world that is very defiling. There will be temptations that will come your way. There will be situations that arise in your life. And if you have not made the decision ahead of time, I'm not going to cross that line. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to do this. If you don't decide that ahead of time, when you're in the heat of the moment, when you're in the middle of the battle of temptation, it's going to be too late to decide. You've got a lot better chance making the right decision if you carry your decision with you into life rather than trying to figure it out as you go. Okay? You say, I want to get married, and I'm going to be pure when I get married. And in order to get pure, be pure when I get married, the first kiss I share is going to be with my husband or my wife at the wedding altar. And you, and you set these priorities and these boundaries in your life. Well, it's going to be a whole lot easier to keep that having made that pledge or that promise or whatever you call it than to just float through life and see what happens okay you've got to decide i am going to be pure i am going to be clean i don't want my mind defiled i don't want my heart defiled i don't want to to ruin the plan that god has for my life he cannot use a dirty vessel he's got to use a clean vessel he can clean it up but it's never quite the same Okay, Daniel did a very wise thing here. He had every opportunity to file himself. It would have been easy, almost understandable to do so. He's not home anymore. He's not in Jerusalem anymore. He's not with his parents anymore. He's with the king. The king said, this is what you've got to eat. Nobody really would have faulted him for eating the king's meat and drinking the king's wine. But he had already decided, I'm not going to do it. That meat would defile him. So he said, let me have some pulse. That wine would defile him. So he said, give me some water. And God blessed him for it. Okay? 
Lot vexed his righteous soul from day to day with the unlawful deeds of the society in which he lived and, and the society in which we live in 2018, going into 2019. It is, it will vex your righteous soul if you let it. So I want to encourage you this morning, guard your heart against that which would defile. You need to be really careful what you let in your eyes. Be really careful what shows you watch, what movies you watch, what games you play, what websites you visit, what magazines you look at. You need to be really, 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 really careful. You need to decide, I'm not going to be defiled. Oh, it's funny. I don't care. I'm not going to be defiled. Oh, everybody else watches. I don't care. I'm not going to be defiled. Oh, it's the most popular show. I don't care. I'm not going to be defiled. Oh, people think I'm weird if I don't. I don't care. I don't want to be defiled. Got to make those decisions. Be really, really careful what you listen to. There's a type of music that'll help you. There's a type of music that won't help you. And you don't know how badly it's going to influence your life. You've got to say, okay, this is what the Bible says I need to be listening to. And this is what I'm going to listen to. And I'm not going to listen to anything else. Oh, but it's pretty. I don't care. I'm not going to be defiled. Oh, but that guy has such a great voice. I don't care. I'm not going to be defiled. Oh, it's, it, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's really soft compared to the other stuff. I don't care. I'm not going to be defiled. Purpose that in your heart. You better decide. Because there are going to be people around you that don't make the same decision. There's going to be a car that you get in with a radio that will tune into whatever station you want it to. You need to decide not to file yourself. Be really careful not to do anything with your body. Let anything in your body defile your conscience. Daniel purposed not to defile himself. And we, that's a decision we ought to make. That's, that's something you ought to nail down. If you've never nailed it down, you ought to nail it down now. If you've nailed it down before, that, that ought to be a continual resolution. We, we need to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. Purpose in your You're not going to be pure by accident. Okay? Look at Psalm 17. Psalm 17. Verse number 3. Psalm 17 and verse number 3. Lord, help us. Psalm 17 and verse... Three. Psalm 17, 3, Thou hast proved mine heart, thou hast visited me in the night, thou hast tried me and shalt find nothing. I am purposed, there's our word from Acts 11, I am purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. We mentioned it already. A lot of people make New Year's resolutions about what they put in their mouths. The number one resolution is always, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to stop eating so much. I'm going to start exercising more. I'm going to stop being so fat. That's what people say, right? But we, we, and, and again, I'm not, I'm not preaching against that. I'm just saying, well, I'll be more concerned about what comes out of our mouths than what goes in our mouths. Because gossip hurts a lot worse than french fries. Right? Lying is a lot more deadly than hamburgers, which is a blessing. <laughs> right? The Bible says, James 1, 26, If any man among you seem to be religious, bridle than not his tongue, but deceive his own heart. This man's religion is vain. Proverbs 18, 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. A lot of people want to make resolutions about what they put on. A lot of people need to make some resolutions about what they let out of their mouths. 
Ephesians 4, 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. That was just good. The use of edifying may minister grace unto the hearers. The, the Bible places a great deal of emphasis on the words that we say. And uh, no offense, but girls more than guys, we say a lot of words every day, right? It's easy to mess up just when you consider the sheer volume of speech that is part of our everyday life. In multitude of words, there wanteth not sin. You talk like you're going to sin a lot. <laughs> he that keepeth his lips is wise. That's why David prayed in Psalm 141.3, said, A watch, O Lord, before my mouth, keep the door of my lips. There are so many ways you can sin with your tongue. Lying, gossip, flattery, vanity, blasphemy, boasting, strife, deceit, guile, backbiting, bitterness, cursing, corruption, silence. Sometimes it's the same when you don't say anything. The psalmist said, I have purpose that my mouth will not transgress. You, you've got to do that on purpose because if you just... If you just say whatever comes to mind, it's probably not going to always be appropriate. Okay? God, give me a filter and let it be the Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Things we ought to purpose, not to defile ourselves, not to sin with our mouths, not to sin with our tongues. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And verse number 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Verse number 7, 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. We all have a purpose in our heart to give cheerfully. To give cheerfully. Two types of people in this world, one's happy, one's miserable. They're givers, they're takers. Be a cheerful giver. Now, again, that's going to take it's going to take you doing it on purpose. The verse says, "So let uh, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give." Forty five percent of the people in in our society make resolutions. Thirty four percent of that forty five percent include money related goals. People want to make more money, spend less money, stick to a budget, build an emergency fund, get out of debt, invest wisely, save for college, save for retirement. That's all great stuff, right? We're supposed to be good stewards. A good man leaves inheritance to his children's children, all that. But the Bible also says, lay not for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust corrupt, where thieves break through and steal, lay up treasure in heaven. Acts 20, 35 is more blessed to give than to Receive those of us who receive so much from the Lord ought to purpose to give cheerfully what He's given us. Now, maybe maybe you don't have a job. Probably most of you don't have a job. So, Second Corinthians nine seven might have another application in your life. What what else can you cheerfully give? Can you cheerfully give your time to be a blessing to somebody else? Can you cheerfully give your service to minister to somebody else? Can you cheerfully give of of your words to to build up the people around you? It's it's not just money. Be a giver, not a taker. Be the one who does, not the one who, who demands. God loves a cheerful 
giver. Come to Romans chapter 8. One more. Romans chapter 8. Purpose in your heart. Make some decisions. Make some determinations. Don't just float through life and see what happens. You're, you don't get very far by floating. Have some direction. Have some drive. Have some spiritual ambition. Romans chapter 8, verse number 28. Here's a great verse that we all love. The Bible says, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. I'm glad we have that verse because everything in life isn't good. But if you love God, God can, God can make it turn out for your good. Right? He, can, he can take nasty ingredients, mix them together, put them in an oven, and out comes something really delicious. Right? So God can take the things in your life that are bitter, that are difficult, that are trying, and mix all that together. And if you just submit to Him, He can put you through a fire, but you come out and it's something great. All right, verse number 29. For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son. He might be the firstborn among many Brethren, here's what God purposed before the world began. That if he saved you, he was going to make you like Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter, I'm sorry, 1 Peter 2, 21 says Christ was our example that we should follow in his steps. It doesn't mean we do all the things he did. I can't walk on water. I, if I had to be completely honest, I think I've tried. Anybody else tested that? Anybody else experimented walking in water? Thank you, Elise, Kirsten, Emma, Emma, Christian. I appreciate your honesty. The rest of you are liars. <laughs> Brian, there you go. Okay. Get a little conviction set in. Abby, any, anybody else? All right. So I, you can't walk in water. You can't cast out devils. Is that a hand? Did I see that hand? All right. We can't do the things that Jesus did, but we can take on his character, his attributes, his likeness. How about in 2019, we all become more like Jesus than we were in our thoughts, in our words, in our deeds, in our priorities, in our desires. The devil is fighting against that. The flesh is fighting against that. The world is fighting against that. If you're going to grow, you're going to have to do it on purpose. If you're going to get better, you're going to have to do it on purpose. Let's purpose in our hearts to cleave to the Lord, not to be defiled, not to transgress with our mouths, to give cheerfully, to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Anybody ever heard of Jonathan Edwards? Famous preacher, colonial America, leader of the Great Awakening. When Jonathan Edwards was 19 years old, he wrote down 70 commitment statements, resolutions, he would read these 70 resolutions once every week for 35 years. He read them more than 1,800 times before his death in 1758. He said, resolved, never to do anything, whether in soul or body, lest remorseful what tends to the glory of God, nor be nor suffer if I can possibly avoid it. Resolved to think much on all occasions of my dying and the common circumstances which attend death. Resolve when I feel pain to think of the pains of martyrdom and of hell. Resolve when I think of any theorem invented to be solved, immediately to do what I can towards solving it. If circumstances do not hinder, if I have a question, I'm going to try to figure it out. 
I'm a question about the Bible. I'm not going to just say, oh, that's an interesting question. I'm going to try to, I'm trying to answer. I'm going to try to find an answer. Resolve to examine carefully and constantly what one thing in me is which causes in me the least to doubt, which causes me in the least to doubt the love of God and so direct all my forces against it. Resolve to study the scriptures so steadily, constantly, and frequently as that I might find and plainly perceive myself to grow in the knowledge of the same. Resolve to inquire every night as I'm going to bed wherein I've been negligent, what sin I've committed, and wherein I've denied myself. Resolve, whenever I hear anything spoken in commendation of any person, if I think it would be praiseworthy in me, that I will endeavor to imitate it. Hear somebody compliment somebody else, don't get jealous. Just try to, oh, that's something complimentary. That's something I should do in my life. So somebody could say the same thing about me. Resolve, never to give over, nor in the least to slacken my fight with corruptions, however unsuccessful I may be. You know why Jonathan Edwards was used mightily by God? Because he decided he was going to be. And it'd be, it'd be great to have more Christians make more of those decisions. Let's pray. Father, surely thank you for your word this morning. God, help us. Lord, be serious about uh, our walk with you, relationship to you, service to you. God, help us to, uh, God, help us to live with intent, with purpose. Uh, God, help us to really desire uh, your glory uh, to come from our lives. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.